Hello, um, just before the episode begins, um, I'm just going to just give you a little overview. So this episode is a bit different, so it's in two different parts. So the first part is the main um, episode. So I'll be looking this week at why everyone is so angry at the moment. And then in the second half of the episode, I'm going to finally, after months of saying that I actually will, um, is get to your emails and answer some of your questions. So I hope you enjoy the episode and I will see you on the other side of the little bubbles. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That One Time A Day to the Moment. Sorry, I'm just <clears throat> mid-eating of an apple. Um, apologies if you hear random tractors or it might be a chainsaw, I'm not sure, in the background. I live kind of, not really, near fields. And um, for some reason, whenever I decide to record the podcast, um, someone, a farmer, decides to go nuts in his tractor. So I apologise if you can hear that in the background. There we go. Um, I hope that you're well. <coughs> the topic this week is that everyone is angry. Everyone's pissed off. Everyone this week is fuming about something. I mean, I'm angry about the tractor. Um, but I'm not sure if you've noticed or realised that everyone is just angry at the moment. Everyone is pissed off about something. And I understand that there are lots of things going on at the moment that people have every right to be irritated and confused and angry about. Um, not least the chainsaw that's now getting closer towards my house. Um, but... Um, I thought that I would just talk today about the topic of anger, what makes people angry, the most common things that seem to irritate and annoy people. And um, I've really been looking at and doing some reading and research around the biology of it as well. So why people physically get angry and the impact that it can have. Um, I first thought about focusing on this for the um, episode this week when I came across two articles in the news this week beside a lot of the other shitstorm that's going on. It was an article um, around in America at the moment of all the things people could be angry about because there's a few, you know, multiple gun massacres for one. Um, the article says that one of the most, the things that have been um, getting Americans the most riled recently are the raise in prices and wait times for Uber, of all things. And maybe it's because it's something a bit more flippant that people can be angry about. Maybe they feel they can fix that possibly more than um, any of the larger issues, perhaps. But the article it, um, came out just last week says... For the past few weeks, the American platform Uber has been subjected to a shower criticism, both on the price of journeys and on the waiting time. And then it has quotes from a couple of people who've used the service. So um, uh, the other day I came out of a train station, there was not a single Uber around. There was just an unavailable message displayed on, displayed on the app. Um, and then one other person says, every time I order now, there's way too long of a waiting time. Uh, and then another person interviewed has said, the waiting time is extremely long. It becomes very expensive. In the end, there are only a few drivers in my sector and many do not turn up on time. Um, and then one of the um, drivers has just said, um, customers are completely free to decide whether or not they want to stay around for, a, for an Uber if it takes too long. <laughs> um, so people are getting pissed off about Uber. 
And then uh, I read just this morning, actually, an article about Prince Harry, um, the member of the royal family people pretend to care about, and about how he's been successful in a legal claim about a newspaper that were defamatory towards him, um, and how it's the um like media conglomerates machine trying to make him and his wife look bad and um blah 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 and I just thought mate there are so many other things going on in the world at the moment for people to be legitimately angry about not being able to fill up your car not being able to feed your kids not being able to get an abortion if you want one um people really don't give a shit that you're a little bit put out that a newspaper said that you were or weren't going to pay for some type of police protection or whatever it is. Anyway, and maybe it's wrong that I'm getting annoyed at the fact that he's getting annoyed about that. It's a vicious cycle. That's the problem with anger. Um, so I looked up uh, the, the, to see what was annoying people the most, supposedly, and um, there's a website called top10s.com, and I'm sure it's legit and very well researched, um, that does top 10s of all sorts of different things. So like top 10 names and pop songs of the 90s and foods and da, da, da. So there's a top 10 things that make people angry. So these are the things that supposedly piss people off the most. So um, being blamed for something that you didn't do, sounds a bit childish, but um, people who take the credit for your work, People who lie, bad drivers, um, parents and family in general, <laughs> noisy children, people who are ignorant, people who reveal TV spoilers, slow internet or Wi-Fi, people who talk at the cinema, that fucks me off to high heaven. Yes, I agree with that one. Um, and bad manners. Um, for me, talking at the cinema... Yep, I would quite happily put someone in jail for that. Um, bad drivers, people who don't indicate, absolutely do my nutting. Um, and then it made me think just about the things people are angry about at the moment and um, the usefulness of it and the kind of the, the rapidity um, and repetitiveness and the speed at which we move on from things that are... Um, make people angry just ironically if you can hear that noisy child outside that's my lovely neighbours and they are nice but the kid does need to shut up every now and again um, so if you think about it over the last couple of years people were pissed off to kingdom to come with Brexit and then we kind of forgot about that because Covid happened people were furious about Covid about what the government were doing what they weren't doing what we were told to do what we weren't told to do and then in the middle of that, it was Black Lives Matter. People got really riled up about that. It was all over social media, in the news. People were coming together. Then people kind of forgot about that. Then it went on to Partygate and the government officials were having parties and drinks and alcohol and da 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 People were furious about that. Then we forgot about that. And then, understandably, people got very frustrated and angry and guilty and worried about the situation in the Ukraine. That's still ongoing, but... You know, it ran out of the news cycle after about a month. Then people get very angry and het up about, again, understandably, the abortion crisis and change in America. You know, lots of vitriol and anger about that online. Then, again, because there's nothing really we can do about it, we forget about that. 
throw into the mix other things that people have been, you know, momentarily pissed off about, like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, and then, obviously, this week, all the anger is being directed towards, quite rightly, um, the Conservatives and Boris Johnson. Um, and I think the... Oh, my God, that child is angry herself. She's pissed off something rotten. Just give her an ice pop. Just give her a lolly. It's summer. It'll shut her up. Um, and I just thought the the amount of things that we are almost guided to be angry about from the news and the news cycle, um, it, I don't know, maybe distracts us from ever um, fully seeing a topic through and then maybe making it better, if that makes sense. Because... You know, we're angry about certain things for about a week and then something else comes along and so on and so on. And then none of these issues ever really get solved um, because we're too quick to move on to the next thing that we want to be pissed off about. So I thought I would do a little bit of reading around um, causes of anger and the impact that it can have as well physically like on your body if you are going through these emotions of anger because it can have real physical impact and effect if it's something you continually have as well um so just in a couple of things i've read up about then so the reasons for anger um some people can have a, a genetic predisposition to it um so they're just an you know kind of an innately angry person who gets frustrated very very easily if in your life you have high levels of stress for example um if it's a learned behavior so it's something that is just incredibly common in terms of your reaction to things but then also environmentally so if you've seen explosive behavior you've seen verbal or physical abuse and anger during your childhood which I can completely understand if that's the household you've been brought up in. Um, that, you know, it makes sense that that's going to be your go-to in terms of how you respond to things. And then I had a look on the NHS website as well, which has a lot of resources on there and um, helping you if you are someone who struggles with anger and gets, you know, kind of easily frustrated and worked up. Um, and I'll go through some resources and things a little bit later on in the episode. But um, I've closed the window, by the way, which is why we can no longer hear the um, screaming banshee next door, um, <coughs> also known as a child. Um, so NHS says that some of the reasons people get angry, and obviously this isn't, you know, an exhaustive list, but um, embarrassment. Um, it says one of the most common reasons people get angry is embarrassment. Some people can see the funny side of things, but the majority of them will react to a situation um, like they're being scolded. Another one it says is unfair treatment. So someone is not um, treated fairly, the result will most commonly be anger. If you think that someone is um, biased towards you or, or someone else. Money was an interesting one. So um, if, for example, um, you've, it says if you're lending people money and they don't give you the money back on time or enough or money worries, people can get quite frustrated and a little bit of jealousy in there as well. If people maybe have more um, of a, um, I don't know, affluent lifestyle than you do and you seem to think that's unfair. Disobedience, particularly from parents. Um, if children don't listen um, and misbehave. Anger around expectations was an interesting one. If you um, expect a lot from other people or from a situation and it doesn't live up to expectations, that can be, you know, ending in feeling frustration and anger. 
similarly then disappointment if things don't come to fruition and it can be quite a trigger um if it's you know disappointment is something you feel that you've dealt with a lot in your life then you know almost like a learned behavior when something disappoints you is to get angry and frustrated about it um betrayal it, it references as well and then hurt as well um so whether that's you know the nuance there i think as well between physical and emotional hurt um can equally cause anger if someone has hurt your feelings or if you actually just it says here and uh, when you were hurt you can end up doing silly things so um the reaction to being hurt can make you do things that then increase your anger if you don't react to things in a you know in a particularly sensible way. Um, and then I looked at some um disorders that mind the charity um references which uh, try to explain why people become angry and the reasons people um can sometimes not uh, cool down when they're in a moment of anger. So one of them is something called IED, um, an intimate explosive disorder, which I think in IED is also named for a bomb. I don't think it's the same, although I suppose it maybe comes from a similarly um, explosive idea. Um, but an intimate explosive disorder, IED, not a bomb, um, it says, so this is from the Mind, Mind Charity Online, quote, involves repeated sudden episodes of impulsive, aggressive, violent behaviour and angry verbal outbursts in which you react grossly out of proportion to the situation. Road rage, domestic abuse, throwing or breaking of objects, other temper tantrums may be signs of intermittent episode, episode explosive sorry, disorder. Um, and then it lists some other symptoms as well. So rage, irritability, increased energy, racing thoughts, physical tingling in the body. Why can't I speak today? Palpitations and a chite, <laughs> a chest tightness, not a chite test, a chest that is tight. Chest tightness, tight chest. Why can't I speak? What did I say? A chite test, chest tightness. This podcast is just going to the dogs. I apologise. Palpitations and chest tightness are also supposed symptoms of IED, not a bomb. Um, and then it says other things as well. So temper tantrums, heated arguments, even physical like slapping. And not even of a person, but just like if you punch a wall, that type of thing. And then there's another disorder that's mentioned as well, which is called conduct disorder or CD, which is a disruptive behaviour involving a pattern of violating norms, rules and basic rights of others. Um, and so this, I think, is a little bit different where the, the anger is directed at other people rather than, you know, kind of at yourself in a situation in general. It is angry at a person where someone may bully, threaten or physically hurt or intimidate another person. Um, and people with CD, conduct disorder, it says here on the Mind website, tend to lie, steal and destroy property at the same time. Um, I watched a little YouTube video as well, which researched um, or kind of tried to summarise um, kind of how the brain is affected by anger as well. And... I'm just going to play with a little clip of it because it's a little bit scientific, so therefore my mind turns off. Um, but it just gives you a little idea of what physically happens to the brain. Um, and I'm sure you've heard of the kind of fight or flight 
or freeze response to a situation and anger is built into that. Anger, like fire, can be good at times, but it can also destroy the longer we hold on to it, ravaging relationships and lives. Why do we have it? And why is this grip so powerful? Hi, I'm Peter Montoya from Thrive Union, and I'll be sharing our current thinking on anger as part of our How the Brain Works series. Anger developed to help us react quickly to protect ourselves. It arises primarily from an ancient portion of our brain called the amygdala, which triggers automatic responses when we're threatened, commonly known as fight, flight, or freeze. When distinguishing a threat, the amygdala activates the hypothalamus, which tells our pituitary glands to release the hormones like the stress chemical cortisol, adrenaline, and norepinephrine. Before we're even aware, our body is flooded with hormones and neurotransmitters that shoot up our heart rate, energize our muscles, and increase blood pressure all to get us ready to fight. Systems like digestion and vision are limited, along with our prefrontal cortex, which controls reasoning. Our hippocampus quiets, reducing short-term memory and new memory formation. Now, that's said an awful lot of words that I've not understood. But basically, when you get angry, your body changes. Um, and on the little video clip that I've got here, so it's called How the Brain Works with Anger, um, if you want to watch it, um, it shows you like physically how your brain reacts to different changes of emotion. So different parts of your brain um, kind of have more pressure and stress put on them, which makes sense. Um, that there's a biological impact of anger as well and I think that's why you know we're always told that having a very stressful life is bad for you and having more of a stress-free life is um, you know a way to live happier and, and for longer. Um, according to healthline.com there are some ways that people can try and reduce anger in their life so a couple of things it mentions are to count so to kind of count your way out of a feeling maybe count to 10 20 whatever and alongside that to breathe so to breathe between counting and um, it says to go for a walk so to get some fresh air to just try and relax your muscles whether that's just to lie down for a moment and breathe through the, the anger and listen to some music or alternatively just sit in complete silence then you can't hear anything almost kind of white noise yourself out of a thought um write out things that are annoying you or even just to doodle until the feeling passes and to practice what you want to say to someone before you actually go and say it um so that you can kind of very clearly get your thoughts and feelings down in a way that is um you know, methodical and logical rather than just a rant that might then, you know, run out of steam or end up saying something that you'll regret further down the line. Um, there's a little story that I came across. It's a little parable um, and it's called Nails in the Fence. And I thought it was quite sweet. It's very short, so I'm just going to read it to you. But it's got quite a nice message around the, the pointlessness of anger, but also the impact that it can have long term as well. Um, it's a story that's aimed at like children, but I thought it was quite nice. So it says, There once was a little boy who had a bad temper. His father gave him a bag of nails and told him that every time he lost his temper, he must hammer a nail into the back of a fence. The first day, the boy had driven 37 nails into the fence. Over the next few weeks, as he learned to control his anger, the number of nails hammered daily gradually dwindled down. He discovered it was easier to hold his temper than to drive those nails into the fence. Finally, the day came when the little boy didn't lose his temper at all. 
His father told him and he told his father about it. As he told his father about it, apologies. That the father suggested that the boy now go and pull each one of the nails out for each day that he was then able to control his anger. The days passed and the boy was finally able to tell his father that all the nails were now gone from the fence. The father took the son by his hand and led him to the fence. He said, you've done well, but look at all of the holes in the fence. This fence will now never be the same. When you say things in anger, they leave a scar just like this one. No matter how many times you say sorry, the wound is still there. The little boy then understood how powerful his father's words were. Um, very simple story. And again, I fucked up halfway through because I can't speak today. Um, but um, don't get angry with me. Um, I, I think it's quite a sweet idea. The, you know, the idea that something you do in the moment, very, very angry, um, then has a lasting impact, doesn't it? That sometimes, depends on what it is you've said or done, just can't be changed um, at the end of the day um, and leaves, you know, something that is there you know, irrevocably. Um, in terms of resources, if, you know, anger is something that you do feel that maybe you are very quick to flare up yourself or, you notice those type of symptoms or um, characteristics in a friend. So Mind, the, the mental health charity, has pages of information and, and contacts, particularly um, an, on, uh, an online support group called Side by Side. Um, and then, you know, we live in a world of Instagram and there are some lovely accounts that you can follow as well that, that just kind of direct you towards happy news and happy ideas and happy things daily rather than something negative. So, for example, there's a, an account called Happy News Today um, and every day it just has like a little story that comes up of something positive. So, for example, the one of them that came up this week was of um, a, uh, a flight attendant who um, wrote a letter to a tooth fairy on behalf of a little girl because she'd lost her tooth had come out mid-flight and it like she'd lost it, it rolled underneath a seat or something. So he wrote a letter to um, the tooth fairy and then um, obviously the tooth fairy got involved, uh, not him and the mum having like a, a shady conversation afterwards. Um, the tooth fairy um, sent the girl like a little 50p coin in the post because the tooth fairy had found the tooth in the, in the, in the plane. And so it's just, you know, kind of cute little stories like that. Um, the Independent newspaper that I always bang on about reading, um, when it has its kind of weekly sum up newspaper at the end of, of the week over Saturday and Sunday, it always has good week stories as well. Um, so things that have been positive in the week when everything else is going to shit. So I'll just read out a couple of ones from the newspaper today. So it says, in nature, a coral root orchid has been recorded in the Highlands, 250 years after the specimen was last seen. Um, for science, the forum satellite, which will measure the greenhouse effect in greatest ever detail, will be built um, in the UK by 2027 in order to try and help combat climate change. Um, in entertainment and art, it says Banksy will be made an honorary professor of the university for creative arts due to his global impact on the art scene. In health, a breakthrough discovery in 
pancreatic cancer. Research suggests that new therapy might be able to reverse aspects of the disease. Um, in environment, scientists have created heatwave-resistant plants to help them survive climate crisis and global warming. And what else? Um, in society, twin sisters Edith Dumbleton and Dorcas Tobin, who are the UK's oldest twins, mark their 102nd birthday on Tuesday. Um, and it's nice just to read little bits of happy news like that every now and again. And then just, um, I always finish the episode and we'll, it's going to be this segment of the episode. Um, with one thing I've done that week um, and this week I mean I might not even bother doing a podcast next week because I'm be so famous um, I've been having a little one-on-one very brief conversation with Catherine Ryan the one and only Catherine Ryan on Instagram now when I say conversation it's been about five little phrases between one another but obviously you know I shit my pants when I saw that she'd replied to a conversation so we've been having a little on and off conversation about newlyweds Jessica Simpson um I read her book The Audacity and she very funny about how much she loved Jessica Simpson back in the day and she mentioned it on a podcast this week so I discovered that you could watch the entirety of the um reality show on YouTube you can watch all the episodes on there. So I've started watching just one or two of them in nostalgically, but then I've ended up watching the whole thing. So I put a comment on it on Instagram and tagged her in it. And um, she messaged back saying that she was jealous that I was um, watching all the um, old episodes. Um, and then she said that she was worried about Jessica Simpson, though, because she looks very thin in some of the most recent photographs on Instagram. Then I commented back and said, you know, I'm sure she's got people looking after her and da-da-da-da-da. And she replied and liked it um, and sent a little heart. And I said, oh, I'm coming to see you again in October and da-da-da. So, I mean, we are now best friends. Um, I might be going out on tour with her as a roadie, so I might not be here next week because I will be famous. So, you know... I don't podcast for a couple of weeks. That's why. Um, so I'm going to end this part of the episode. Um, and I'll see you on the other side of the little popcorn bubble noises that I use. Um, and I'm going to be answering some of your letters and questions because I've not done that for fucking ages. I do apologise. Um, so we'll get through a couple and see if I can give any um, tips of wisdom. Unlikely, um, but we'll see. All right. See you on the other side. Hello, so I said that I would be back on the other side of the balls to answer a couple of um, emails and questions that people have sent in. I'm just going to do the randomly. So the first one is from, it sounds like a teenager, I think, someone at school. Well, I hope they are because the question's all about school. Um, not some weirdo. So it says, um, Please, can you help me? I don't know what to do. I go to secondary school at the moment. I'm in year 10, but I hate it and I don't want to go. Every day I wake up and feel sick at the thought of what the day will bring. The problem is that all of the people in my classes bully me. They call me names. Sometimes they physically push me on the corridor. I've had dinner money stolen. Last week, someone took my homework out of my bag when I wasn't looking and put their name on it. I then got a detention for not doing it. I don't understand why people are being so horrible and I really want this to stop. Please help. Um, okay, well, first of all, um, I'm sorry that this is happening. That's not very nice as a teacher myself. Um, you know, I can 
would completely empathise with how intimidating schools and classrooms can be. Um, a couple of things then that would pull out of it. So you say you wake up in the morning and you feel sick. Um, I presume then you, you're not telling mum and dad, parents, carers, brothers and sisters, you know, whoever you've got at home about it. I would. I would talk to someone at home about it. You don't have to go into details if you don't want to because I know it's very personal. But I would go into, I would, I would mention it at least, then someone knows. Because then you know, you'll get home from school and you'll at least have someone to, you know, who will ask you, how's the day been? Has it been any better? You know, do you want me to phone the school for you? It's, it's always good to talk about it to one person if you can. Um, it sounds like, I mean, I'd worry that you've not got anyone at school to talk to. Um, if you've not got anyone that you can sit with at dinner. Um, you know, maybe have a look if there's maybe someone else who seems a little bit, um, you know, spends time on their own. Maybe there's someone new who started in the class over the last couple of weeks. Try and gravitate towards somebody and get a little crew going that way, just to talk to somebody. Um, I know that teachers can sometimes come across as being quite aloof, someone that you might not want to talk to, but do. And I know from my experience, we are there to listen. We do want to look after the kids as best as we can. So do make sure you try and tell a teacher if you can, especially if things are being stolen from you, like money. Um, and I also know that, like, you know, the homework thing, you don't want to come across as a grass and get someone in trouble if they have, you know, put their homework in. Um, and then you're going to get in trouble if you haven't done it. I understand you won't want to get someone else in trouble for that. I know what that's like. But again... You know, teachers are good at doing things surreptitiously um, so that you wouldn't get the, the backlash of anything. So please, please do do tell someone about it. Um, if you want to email me back and let me know how it's gone, please do. But I would, one, talk to someone at home about it. Two, please, definitely make sure you, you talk to a member of staff about it who can then put something in place to support you. And three, try and see if there's someone else that's maybe just on your wavelength um, have a little, you know, conversation with them. Just ask them a really simple question to get the conversation going. Or oh, what period have we got French? Can you remember the maths homework? And then something might happen from there. Um. Okay, let's have a look for another one. Um. Oh, this one says, I think my wife is cheating on me. Oof. Okay, I'm probably not the best person to talk about this because I'm not married. Um. Although, well, I have been cheated on, so right, we'll give it a go. Um, right, I, uh, I've not written to you before, but I would really like your advice on something that has been bothering me. I suspected for some time now that my wife has been cheating on me. There have been the usual signs. The phone rings. She's very secretive about who is on the other end. If I answer the phone for her, the call just hangs up. Ooh. Uh, my wife has said that she's been going away. So we're going out with the girls an awful lot recently, but says that uh, I won't know them if I ask who they are, she fobs me off, what else is, she, is he saying, just says that there's some friends from work, um, I always stay awake to look for her when she gets out of the taxi coming home, to see if there's anyone else in the taxi with her, but she always walks up to the house from down the road, right, so maybe she doesn't want you to see who she's with. Um, I've never approached the subject with my wife, but I think deep down, I just don't want to know the truth. Last night she went out again. Um, okay. I mean, the thing about the phone is maybe a bit weird if um, it hangs up. Um, I presume that it's her mobile phone. 
I mean, you know, people are very protective over their phones, you know, if there are photographs on there or... I mean, again, if you're married, though, I don't understand really what would be on a phone. You wouldn't want the other person to see. Um, yeah, I think she's cheating on you. Um, well, I don't want to be harsh. I think if you've felt this for a long time and you you think that these are repetitive things, that, you know, she sleeps over a phone, she's going out with people that you don't know, she's cagey about who she's with, she seems to be odd about when and where she gets picked up and dropped off. Um, I mean you know, maybe pull like a little police stunt on her and follow her the next time she goes out and see where she goes. Or, you know, if, she, if she's on social media, can you see if she's posting pictures? Um, you know, maybe you'll see people you recognise or don't. Um, you don't say if, how long you've been married. You don't say if you own property. You don't say if you have kids. And you understand that if you do have kids, and that would make it maybe more difficult to... Um, uh, kind of blow up the marriage for want of a better word but you know if this is something that's bothering you day to day and it seems like it is then obviously you do need to need to raise it um I would maybe um the next time she says that she's going to go out maybe offer to drive her offer to pick her up um and see how she reacts to that and then that might be a way into your um questioning her of well you know I'm I'm just concerned because, you know, you're going out an awful lot. You say, I don't know who they are, but then tell me who they are. And I want to meet your friends. I want to know them. Let me drop you off. Let me, you know, pop in for a drink and meet all these people that you're with all the time. And then, you know, maybe from there, something will just naturally, naturally come out. Um, and, you know, sh she'll have to own up to something. Uh, okay. Another one. Um, oh, okay. This is a good one. <sighs> well, good, because it's simple. Uh, my boyfriend is the biggest chatterbox I've ever met. And what makes it worse is that on the rare occasions I do manage to get a word in Edways, he stares at me so vacantly, it's clear he's not listening to a word I say. I want to dump him. Well, dump him then. There we go. Just dump him then. If he's annoying you, dump him. Next. Um, okay, right, this one is a little bit more serious. Um, let me just read it to you. Mm, okay. Um, okay, I won't, obviously, like any others, I won't name you. So you say, uh, my daughter is ill and is awaiting surgery. Her husband has, over the last couple of weeks, gone into what I can only call a serious depression. He is offering her no support, has stopped visiting her, visiting her in hospital, and she herself, understandably, does not have the strength to worry about him, whilst also worrying about herself. I'm there for her, but I don't know what else I can do. I'm also angry at him, her husband, for letting her down in her time of need. But I don't feel I can do or say anything about it. I live five hours away from my daughter. And my heart breaks when I speak to her, when she feels so lonely and she is falling apart. What can I do? Um. Okay, right, let's think about breaking this down a little bit. So... You don't see what the illness is, but I can. But reading between the lines, your your daughter's kind of in hospital. She's not in and out for treatment. She's in, waiting for surgery. So it must be something relatively, kind of long going, long term. Um. The husband, if he is suffering, well, one that's completely understandable. It must be horrible to see someone that you love, in hospital. Um, and I'm not to be honest up to date with a lot of the COVID procedures in hospitals but it might be that he can't be in as much as he wants to as well 
he probably feels quite useless, um, not being able to just fix it for her, lonely himself. Um, and I understand as well that as the mum, you will be worried for your daughter um, and worried for him. I'm sure you have a relationship with him. And I get that you'll be annoyed that he maybe seems from the outside what might seem, you know, kind of self-pitying. Um, but I would try to put yourself in his shoes that he's obviously worried. Um, I presume he'll still be having to go to work, looking after the house. You don't see if they have kids or anything, but, you know, there'll be a lot that he's having to cope with as well. Um, you say you live five hours away. So, you know, there's probably a limit to how much you can get up there as well. Um, you know, I'm sure that if you can ring her, FaceTime her, um, that will make her feel better. And you'll have the connection that way as well. Um, you know, hopefully she's well enough to be able to have conversations and things like that. Um, I would maybe um, contact him. Um, you know, say that, you know, I'll, I'll come down for the weekend. We can go together. I'll come down for the weekend. You go and see her. I'll tidy up the house um, or vice versa. You know, I'll go and see her tonight. Why don't you go and do the food shop, something like that. So spend the weekend with him. Try to get him out of himself that way. You don't say if you still have a partner. If you do, then maybe send them down for a weekend. If there's brothers or sisters on the scene, you know, other children you have, then get them involved as well. You know, make sure that you're doing less as well if possible, because it must be an awful lot for you to have to put up to. Um, so, yeah, I would maybe try and forge a little bit of a relationship with him, the husband, and try to, um, I don't know, uh, strengthen your rapport with him to then kind of strengthen how you go into handling her, at, you know, the, the, the woman's illness together. That might be the best way to go about it. Um, all right, and then I'll just do one more. Let's see. Um, oh, right, okay, I'm going to be very short and flippant on this one as well, sorry. Um, I love my boyfriend, but I feel like we are two very different people. I save up for holidays and important things like that, but he likes to spend his money as soon as it comes in. Usually he spends his money on gadgets and stupid things. Um... Okay, well, one, don't get a joint bank account with him. Two, if he annoys you that much, just like the other one, dump him. Life's too short to spend time around someone who irritates you, maybe doesn't appreciate the things that you bring into the relationship. Um, and if you're the one who's spending money on the expensive things, like a holiday, then he should be putting in for that. Um, so either demand he puts in for certain things, um, and, you know, try and get a little bit of fairness between you. Or just don't be with him. Just find someone who you don't have to, like, mollycoddle through. You say buying gadgets, like, having to put up with him buying the latest, I don't know, like, fucking PlayStation 5 computer game or whatever. Um, You know, just move on. Just move on if you don't feel that you're on the same wavelength. That's absolutely fine. Um, You don't have to make excuses for anybody. Money is a very difficult topic. It can become quite... um. Uh, like a fiery topic if you know you're careful and he's not and you feel like he doesn't respect money as much as you do so you know if that's probably not the only issue in in the relationship you probably bicker and fall about other things as well um if he is what would concern me is if he's um maybe flippant about money he may be flippant about other things um like sharing jobs around the house being punctual to things 
um, keeping in contact with family, I don't know, but it's probably not the only thing he does that is feels a little bit um, unequal in the relationship. So if it's not working, it's not working. Thank you very much for joining this week's episode of That One Time A Day To The Mormon. Um, if you liked this format of kind of two different parts, one part answering your questions, and um, I should really get around to more of them, I apologise that I don't, then please let me know if you do have any questions or thoughts on anything that I've done over the last um, couple of episodes, please let me know that one time podcast at yahoo.com. Have a good week. Try to look at positives in the news rather than anything negative. Um, and if you have some nice funny stories, send them away. And um, like I said, if I am now best friends with Catherine Ryan, I might not be back here next week anyway. Um, have a good week. See you soon.